1: Right, mate, we are on
0: episode 11. That's 11 already. Disclaimer, this is not fruity cider, this is just blackcurrant. <laughs> I'm not drinking on a Sunday evening.
1: Yeah, you've been asleep all day. How's
0: your week been? <laughs> I have, most of the day, yeah. How's your week been?
1: Yeah, it's been nice, mate, it's been nice. The the, the sunshine kind of came back yesterday, which was good. Um, I had a yeah. couple of friends over it's today and neat. had a few burgers and stuff. Social distance in the garden, which is nice. I've got a nice size garden, yeah. and I, so it's, it's quite nice. That yeah, week. you
0: have. Yeah.
1: And um, what about you? How's your week been?
0: Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. I had a bit of work to do. I had um, tape an audition, which was nice to get back to a bit of normality. Lovely. Uh, pardon?
1: I say saying, lovely man. I was going to say, I've got a, a voice job tomorrow and an audition this week as well. So it's getting there. We're getting right. back to normality, isn't it
0: Yeah, it's slowly getting back to a bit of normality, innit? A bit of. Um, the people who I've been speaking to are obviously in, in the same industry as us. Mm. Um, you know, it's, ni- it's nice to hear that the the auditions are coming back in and people uh, making plans to go back to work. So and it's, it's, and kind it's nice. Of, um... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, 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 nice to, it's nice to think of the, the, the possibility of a bit of normality on the way. So mm. Charlotte's back at work now. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, we enjoyed the time off, but it's kind of nice now that we're going back to work. Mm, mm. And I, and I quite
1: like because um, everyone's obviously going on about the new normal. The new normal. I quite like the new yeah. normal of not having to get on a train to London for two hours, and I can just do an audition upstairs
0: in my yeah. pants if need be. I don't oh, mind it. Not one person's come up to me in the street for like eleven weeks. It's been amazing. <laughs> yeah. so, um, no, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's kind of um, the new normal, and I like the I like the the distancing that you've got to keep in the shops, and yeah, yeah, it's good. I, I'd yeah. keep that. I'd keep that. If you don't know oh, me. Time. Stay away. Yeah. The only, the only thing that I'm really missing is obviously friends and family. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah other than that, it's kind of... Um, it's nice that we can see each other a bit more and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's all good. But, um, so we're back... Did you, episode 11 now. Yeah, 11, you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've got creator of train spotting. Well he was the he writer
1: of the novel that then of the film novel. was made. Uh, mm. he wrote others, and he filth. He's wrote he's wrote, he's wrote a lot, has not he?
0: Yeah, he's he's wrote loads. Um more recently he did, he wrote a film called Creation Stories that um that I was lucky enough to be part of with Michael Socker who obviously mm-hmm. we all know from uh, this is England. So we had to um pop some wigs on for a couple of weeks in London which was nice. Um, <laughs> It's all, it's all about um, Alan McGee, who is most famous for finding Oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and being
1: on our podcast two weeks ago.
0: And being on our podcast two weeks ago. So, <laughs> yeah, it's um, its a bit of a treat for us, really. And I think with well, the genre of the film, it's kind of got a similar following to this as England, would you say? It's kind of in that same category of, like... Things put in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mean cool. In terms of, like... A, Cult classics. I, I think mm. this is England's we were in that genre now, aren't we? It's been going for a long time, which is amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and and, and tra- like you say, yeah, train spotting
1: is, is one of them proper cult classics. I, I always remember it more though, because I had only seen train spotting um when we were filming This Is England eighty six. It's the first time I'd seen the it. First so, time? Yeah. Wow. So like twenty. So,
0: you know, not that bad. I mean supposed to see really it eighty. Was you? See, yeah? See, I, I must only have been yeah. I must have been God, maybe fourteen. Ah, wow! Well. I, I was really young when I saw it. Yeah, I really, I only really
1: remember young. the name sort of in that. Do you remember the uh, the old um, video piracy advert? It was oh, like no. it, like um, it used to so if used to like obviously like VHS tapes back in the day, and it had come on and it'd yeah. be like, you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't steal a purse. So don't steal a film. And then it'd be like, it was like a marketplace and it was like someone trying to return. um, (laughs) It was like someone trying to return a a, a dodgy pirate videotape. And then the guy's like, oh yeah, mate, like it it doesn't work. It's got this, it's got that. And he's going to go, what is it? Train spotting. Next you're going to tell me there's no trains in it. (laughs) <laughs> and it was just it was just no, like I can't remember that. You not know, remember it. Like that's how that's all no. I remember train spotting by like because cause genuinely I did think
0: then it was about people, people who, who you know who spot trains. Who spot trains Yeah. Um, yeah, I um yeah. I I always just sticks out to me the, the scene with you and McGregor going down the toilet. Mm. Think, um, and it's the first sort of performance that I remember as a kid thinking from Robert Carlyle, thinking, yeah, Bruce, Jesus, yeah. he's scary. Mm, he bras very a of yeah it's just, i mean obviously i I thought he was brilliant in Full Monty as well, but he's mm. so menacing in that I I, rem- I I remember I met him in um in Edinburgh, when my dad was in a lift with him, and uh tiny, he's only really small yeah yeah, yeah, but um yeah i just i, I re- oh, that performance or oh, Begby was not he played he played Begbie yeah, I can't. Uh, remember. I've seen it, like I say,
1: mate. I've seen it like once or twice, and and and, yeah. and a few years back now. But it's I just like, remember really that
0: performance. Film. That is one of the first ones I looked at and was like, "Wow, that's great." Um, <laughs> and and well, like... Yeah. Yeah, like...
1: No, I was, um... was going to say so it discovered you and McGregor, right? That one, it, that film. It kind of made.
0: Yeah, it must have. Been, yeah, because it, yeah. it was really early on in his career. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then obviously he went on yeah. to Star Wars and all that stuff he's done, and yeah, you know. Great actor as well. You McGregor got a lot of time for, for old Obi Wan or young Obi Wan, should I say? You don't have a clue what I'm on about. You don't have a clue what I'm on not about. I'm
0: um, French to me, I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there you go, yeah. There we are. That's We've what been, it's like when everyone
0: here will talk about Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> um, so uh, Irvine's um
1: subject was something that we kind of we're on polar not our views on it, just our interest in it, we're on complete opposite yeah, ends yeah. Of, the, of the spectrum out of it. politics, I'm, sorry voting, so i.e. politics yeah. I'm quite uh, interested in it You. I remember you, you're
0: when uh, he texted me, text me saying his subject was like, Andy's gonna lose this, is <laughs> gonna this, um because you, yeah, you you follow it a lot, don't you? You're um, you know, you, you're you're quite um vocal when it comes to, to the uh, voting and um, yeah, yeah, and things like that. That you you sort of always been into really for as long as I can remember. Um, yeah, man. I think it, yeah, kind of like I'm not I'm not as interested in it. Mm. But it was it was a week where we literally just sat and listened. This I think it was um it was one of them very rare occasions where we don't shut up where we, where we sit and listen. Um, mm. sorry. So yeah, it was, it was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. And, and his views as well. Like I think he'd make a great prime minister
1: stuff. <laughs> if he won the lottery.
0: What lottery? If. Let's find out. <laughs> um, no.
1: Should we, should we crack on with it? And then we'll kind of do, uh, as always, we'll do the debrief afterwards. Um, after we spoke to Irvine uh, and we'll, we'll, We'll tell you who's next week's guest is.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. See you after. Irvine Welsh. Enjoy. and airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: ready to go i'll just be you just be you <laughs> just be doing my usual kind of sort of freestyle kind of nonsense nonsense <laughs> but, like, but uh, yeah i mean i kind of you know talking about things that were overrated um I kind of think, you know, I mean, I think it's very important that we have the right to vote. It's obviously a massive kind of sort of democratic right. And um, I would never advocate losing that. And um, I kind of thought, well, I, I did this tweet years ago, which kind of became a kind one of... One of your many tweet.
0: amazing tweets, I must say.
2: Yeah, well, this, this, this became the one that I pinned because it was like kind of, um, it said that, um, you know you know, kind of vote for a better life for yourself if you're doing all right if you're not you know if, if you're if you're doing all right vote for a better life for other people if you're doing if you're not doing all right vote for a better life than you for yourself you know and um i think what's what's happened in kind of um democracies is that we've gotten to that stage where now we we kind of um we think about um we put voting on this kind of pedestal because voting rights have been so hard won down the years, from the the 1832 Reform Act, and then the 1867, and then after the war, they extended brother, um kind of. Um, it's, it's, it feels like it's been a hard won thing, so we're kind of um, we're very uh, we're very kind of. Um, sort of defensive about voting and we should, you know, we, but we, we kind of don't often think about, you know, the bigger picture of the voting. Voting is just a mechanism for democracy and voting is just a small part of democracy. You know, the whole idea about democracy is like, kind of the, the demos the Greek kind of idea of discussion and debate and, um, and you know, to, and to me, you know, it's like voting, we need to have a, to, to in order to get the best out of voting, we need to have a kind of educated and committed uh, populist and a kind of real kind of democratic discussion and without these things all we, and we, I don't think we have these anymore and I don't, I, don't even think, I don't think we ever did but I think we were working towards them and now we're kind of working away from them mm. um, uh, so I think all we're left with is, is, is this mechanism that we kind of put on a pedestal so I think it's important well I think it's important to vote um, it's important to vote most, most of all it's important to vote for something that you really believe in because if you don't, if you vote for something you don't believe in, then you're not. All you're doing is endorsing a system that you of of um, of government of hierarchy of power that you don't necessarily believe in. You're endorsing something you don't believe in. So you should be able to vote for something that you really believe in, and uh, that's the important essence of it. Now, if you can't vote for something that you that you don't believe in, if, I mean, I've not I've not voted for. I can't, I can't even think of the last time I voted. Because I just couldn't bring myself to vote for any of the parties that, yeah. um, that you know, they, they didn't kind of sort of represent me, um, you know. And that's that's me being this kind of picky, kind of pernickety artsy guy who's always on the outside. Anyway, who's always kind of fucking outside the tent, pissing in instead of sort of taking part. And you know, Well, any kind of government, I would be the same. I'd be a kind of dissident under. Any kind of regime that you care to mention, like you know, I think it's important that you have people like that, like me, but not not too many of them. Otherwise, it's an unworkable kind of society. But it needs to be some people that are kind of just natural kind of critics, basically. Um, and uh, to me, it was like, um, if you look at rights, intrinsic rights, I think that the right to vote and the right not to vote are the same thing. You know, so you can't have one without the other. Yes. So what I object to is not voting so much as a kind of um, the guilt trip that um, the guilt trip in that you're somehow irresponsible if you don't vote if you choose not to vote because um, the, the, there's nothing rep- there's nothing that's representing um, there's nothing that's representing you and some people say you know well you you vote for the lesser of the evils and yes. I can understand that argument fully but. Um, I think you've you've got to also, all that is is negative voting. You're voting to stop somebody, to stop a worse set of bastards getting in than the ones that kind of, you know, the other ones, basically. Um, But I think it's like now, I think um,
0: we're at a unique
2: point in history where we have a kind of declining and sort of uh, dissolving capitalism and we're at a major change uh, into a whole new set of relationships, into a whole new kind of... um, whole new modes of production, whole new modes of technology. So I think it's an opportunity for us to examine our kind of relationship with democracy and what it actually means. And what I would be doing, what I would advocate doing, would be abolishing voting and replacing it with a lottery. So what I would suggest would happen is that you've got like 620 members of parliament, Instead of instead of electing these members of parliament, you would have something like a national lottery, and um, you'd have everybody's name in, the, in this lottery. Everybody from the, the the voting the the participant age, and I would you know I personally I would kind of um, I would make people um, I would not have anybody over 60. I would you know they, they would not have the right to take part as far as they're concerned, and I lower it to 14. Anybody 14 upwards would be able to take part, yeah. and. The the, the six hundred and twenty names picked out of that lottery would be the six hundred and twenty MPs, and they would decide and debate in the, in the House of Commons and all that all the, the legislation. Um, the only stipulation, you know, it's like uh, I wouldn't have any, you know, it's like you you would have a, a cross section of the population that would emerge. You would have fifty percent men, fifty percent women. Um, you might have some more one and some more than the other if it's the random draw and all that, but you'd roughly come out statistically. Would roughly come out the same. The age would roughly come out the same um you might have it skewed one way or the other and all that but um uh, and then out of these six hundred, you, you know you would have the the cabinet ministers about 40 people i would have another draw in this and then i would have 40 names picked out they would be the cabinet and from that cabinet one name would be picked out and another lottery to be the, the prime minister and the kind of the head of that cabinet now what that would mean as a society it would be incumbent everybody would have to be educated in science technology the arts kind of economics um, so it would be important that we ed- that everybody got educated and the whole society would have to take responsibility for that education um, if people didn't want to become if people's name was drawn out and they didn't want to become um, they didn't want to serve uh, in parliament uh, they would have to serve the country in some other way some kind of national service not necessarily military but perhaps medical because um, obviously, medical now is going to be the new military. You know, spending has to be um, on medical rather than military stuff. Because all our all our um, all our kind of future um, issues are going to be health issues. I mean, it's like the the virus is basically just taken out the whole American kind of defense kind of the whole sort of defense budget thing. There's no reason to have it now. It's like kind of uh, it's gone. It's all going to be. Kind of um viral warfare in laboratories and all that from now on in. so everything has to be spent on health now um, so uh, so you kind of you, know, you would you would have a system whereby people would be expecting that they might be having to participate in society, so you'd have much more of um, a vested interest in in educating themselves and learning and learning about it. And also instantly, instantly you 've got no elites you 've got no the power of elites, the power of money, the power of lobbies and outside influences is all gone because you have a you have a kind of representative parliament of the of the country as a whole so that 's what I would replace voting with and that 's why I think that um that, you know that voting is a kind of um, and this is, this is' a new this goes right back to the old city states the old democratic city states used to do that albeit in a kind of limited way you know but um the old italian city-states in the era of machiavelli kind of rome florence and all this they had these kind of um they had this kind of thing going on and i think it has to be extended to kind of modern democracy basically so i think we kind of have to think more about democracy um and less about voting as an actual mechanism of democracy and think more about um you know how we how we improve the mechanisms of democracy how we kind of move into this um this kind of um, post-capitalist world with with democratic options increased mm-hmm. so basically that's that's my kind of spiel and kind of rant yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. but it's i think the thing is nowadays
0: as well particularly with voting is you never really know who you can trust nowadays i suppose can you really i mean i mean yeah. I, i'm the same as you I, I i was working during the um the last vote um and i, I didn't have, i was away i was in manchester so i wasn't um, uh, i wasn't at home so i couldn't go in into my local con- constituency yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i couldn't go into my local one so i didn't get a chance to vote and I, again I, I was sometimes made made to feel bad at work because i couldn't vote people were saying to me well, you well, you haven't voted It was like probably me. Like, i not had a chance to do did you did you I mean, i'm assuming you voted and well yeah i mean i
1: think i was probably one of them people who was kind of messaging you like just don't vote, um, well, because I mean, I mean <laughs> you might know more Irvine uh, on this. Like, I've always been under the assumption that those who don't vote, and I completely get that. Like, I get that you know sometimes there isn't a party for you, and and I'm kind of I'm kind of there now with I'm I'm uh, predominantly a Labour voter, uh, but I, I I feel now that the party isn't really for me now again because uh, mm. it's kind of. Gone back to this centrist party that it was in the in the nineties, but yeah, is it not right that those non votes then prop up the, the the party with the most votes? Is that complete? Is that
2: yeah, I I think that I think there's been traditionally there's been kind of two views in on voters. Like there's been the kind of the positive abstentions and the negative abstentions, and the positive abstentions are seen as like it's quite a kind of class bias thing. The positive abstentions are seen as a kind of. Um, the intellectual strokers and all that that think mm, i'm not really happy with these parties so i'm going to kind of not take part in it um and the negative abstentions have been these kind of people that have seen be too lazy or i can't be bothered i'm just going for a packet of fags or maybe kind of you know or kind of um, I'll, I'll go on the way to the pub and you know and i don't think there is such a thing such a divide i think that um people are engaged to the extent that the the, the system is kind of helping them uh in, in some ways or, or is hindering them if it's not helping them, then they're not really that engaged with it. Um, And they shouldn't be that engaged with it, really. You know, and I think we've been emotionally blackmailed. There's a whole kind of um, industry into saying we have to vote and we have to, you know, we have to vote, you know. And that's why, I mean, I would make it compulsory that people register to vote. You know, everybody should register to vote. I mean, there's people in America who are being denied the right to vote now because of the color of their skin, it's absolutely obscene, you know, it's like kind of, it's actually worse than it was in the fifties in segregation. So people should have the right to vote and it should be made as easy as possible for them to do so. But, so if we made voting easier, if we made it easier for people to vote, we make it more difficult for people not to vote. So, yeah. we, so we give them that kind of engagement and that kind of choice, but they're still, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger participants in the society. But, um, I still feel that um that as a as a mechanism voting has had its day because when you think about it every time you've had a a kind of from the from the 1832 reform act onwards it's like um the, the wealthy the ruling classes the elites have always found a way to maintain their power in a democracy and it's like you know it's been it's usually been money uh, or it's it's been wealth it's been kind of paying wages and controlling people that way or it's been the lobby system and it's kind of been kind of the, by the use of big capital or now it's kind of by the use of um a kind of um a one-sided one dimensional media and can kind of constant brainwashing the constant constant same kind of message that this is kind of the, that um these kind of um kind of eating tops kind of somehow represent you and they're going to do the best for you that they can and all that and anything else is somehow kind of an aberration to your and threat to your way of life and all that so i think that's been very per- persuasive but um and i think that any kind of um every sort of extension of, of voting as a mechanism is being subverted from is, is kind of dem- democratic realization by that kind of power by that sort of ongoing um, power of the lobby system the, the wealth um, and kind of the news media so what um i think that you know one of the you know one of the reasons that i'm an advocate of um, the lottery thing is because it's simple it's fair and most of all it's arbitrary you know you don't have a, a kind of political class of being trained to take positions of power whether it's an old Etonian ruling class of the Conservative Party, or whether it's a kind of a lawyer, journalist, professional kind of middle, uh, liberal middle class of the Labour Party. You know, you've kind of, you, you have, um, you're you as likely to have somebody who's on the dole or who's shoveling shit as you, ha- or as you are to have a kind of uh, a baronet or, you know, and, it's, and because of that, it's incumbent on society to educate everybody in civics and in and in kind of uh, sciences and uh, and in all the issues that we're going to kind of face and and to focus on the real issues. I mean, you've got a fucking idiot who can, can 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 parrot fashion recite a bit of Latin. You know what fucking use is that to anybody? You know. So if you have somebody that knows a bit about science, that knows a bit about um, the about climate change, that knows a bit about economics, and knows about kind of um, the 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 issues that we're all going to face as as a, you know in the in the world then we've got a much kind of stronger kind of um we've got a much stronger much more rounded um much more a bigger a broader more intelligent fucking gene pool of of um of kind of political intellect and will and we've got a much more a bigger sense of ownership um of that so that would be kind of um what i would advocate
1: yeah cuz I cuz I agree with you there cuz I think I think at the moment like you say you've either got that etonian class or you have like you say got that kind of uh, middle class sort of uh, labor sort of thing going on but that you know I think what people kind of think at the moment is you need that educated you know etonian kind of leader because they're going to be the smart ones they're going to be the ones with all the answers and even when you were kind of saying that and you were saying you know it could be anyone you can't-
2: yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's propaganda, when you think somebody, you know, the, the reality of it is um, the last kind of Antonian guy that just uh, completely fucked the country with, uh, with Brexit, which a, a Conservative Party debate that was posted on everybody else, and it's kind of unleashed all this nationalism. And the, um, you know, the, the, the other guy who we have now, um, was boasting about not washing his hands and then fucking ended up in intensive care. Fucking that's idiot. A, yeah, so I mean you can't, you know, to to actually and even even the um even the kind of you know the the kind of Petonian type kind of sort of um ruling class education, it's not based on any modern version of statecraft. It's based on an imperial run run an imperialist kind of society, um for a for an imperial elite. But that kind of imperialist society doesn't exist anymore, it's disintegrating. And again, because people have are in this existential fear of this great change that's coming over us, we tend to cling to the familiar. And the familiar in Britain is the class system and deference and forelock tugging. So we've kind of gone into that kind of mode, unfortunately. Um so and it's the worst possible kind of thing we can do is to go into that kind of defensive kind of reactionary mode we should be kind of more expansive in our thinking and our in our politics. Um and I think that the the voting unfortunately has is ossified that kind of system. It's kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of um uh paralyzed us in that in that way of thinking and that way of acting.
1: Yeah, and I think nowadays, because cause I've cause obviously you know, I'm 29 now um, so i've been voting since i was 18 you know i remember um there was a a holocaust survivor came in my school when i was younger and he was like look when you get you know when you're allowed to vote make sure you use it because what happened to my country etc was all because people voted for the wrong person or, or whatever and
2: i always took that for it's so like they voted you know what i mean they voted and um yeah. but, you know the the you know the the lesson of um Nazis and less than the Trump is a kind of uh, that you don't really need to have a majority. You know, they 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 were, they're both kind of ascendant with about thirty percent of the people basically supporting them. You know, you only have to have that kind of. Um, that kind of small vanguard of committed kind of rabid followers and, you know, you have to, you know the, the apathy and the the, the the split of the rest. So the idea is that, you know, that's the kind of lesser of two evil arguments and it is a pervasive one. You know what I mean? It is a, in, ter- in terms of um, kind of great social kind of up people, it is a pervasive one. And understand it. You know, and also understanding, as I'm saying, I, I do understand the dangers of not voting. I do understand the dangers of not stopping um, something bad happening, basically. But Ultimately, I think we have to be looking ahead, we have to be kind of optimistic, we have to be looking into the future, and we have to be voting positively. Um, and that's why, you know, but that dilemma about whether to stop evil or whether to try and do good, and you know, you can't sometimes maybe you can't do both at the same time in a voting system. I think that's resolved by uh, a lottery system. I think that, that issue is resolved by a lottery system. That's why I'd like to move to that. Yeah,
0: no, it makes me I noticed. Sorry, Anne, sorry. That's one thing that I noticed when I was looking at, the, at each party when it was, the, because I remember I was texting you about it, And one, I, Andy? I was saying, I don't know who to vote for um, because of this, because of that. And then you sent me a lot of the manifestos, didn't you, Andy? And I was looking at each manifesto and I was like, right, well, that's great. That's not so great. That's great. That's not so great. That's not so great. And then I was looking at other manifestos thinking, that's good, but that, that's not good. And I was thinking, well, why can't they all just come together? And create a super party. I mean, obviously not being political. I'm not, I'm far from like clued up when it comes to politics, but why why can that not be a thing? Why can we not just create one big super party? Well, and think, just,
1: do you know what I mean? I think that's what like saying there. Like you know, if you had that lottery, then because at the moment we have a system, I guess where you've got. Uh, kind of right, like right-wing like right ideas, left-wing ideas, centrist ideas and then you've got the far right, the far left, etc. But like you say, if, if it was a complete lottery of 600 and something people then whittled down to 40-so in the cabinet, them 40-so people are all going to be vastly different in their views, in their ideas but they'll, I guess they'll have to work together. Whereas now, if you've got a cabinet of mainly kind of right, sort of wing or mainly kind of left wing sort of politicians they're not speaking for the majority of the country no matter what you know the the the, the, the one ideology is never going to speak for everybody i guess
2: where well i also think that we've been kind of sort of a predominantly in terms of ideology because uh our view you know we're we're we're, we're still you see all this the shout on in the news media particularly in print print news media that um It's all about free enterprise versus socialism and kind of, I mean, capitalism and socialism have never been the way that they're portrayed as being for years They're both kind of technologies kind of, uh, you know, and one thing, they're not, they're not not opposing forces, they're both kind of the bastard children of industrialization, basically, you know, and um, we've kind of, uh, you know, the, when we've had a good combination of capitalism and socialism like the post-war social democratic years that's when you've had really boom societies kind of high 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 wage high tax societies you'd be able to build an infrastructure and then you've had greater wealth created on top of that mm-hmm. but um we're still held into this idea that there's this kind of um there's this battle between um between the idea of uh a, of a, you know the, the idea that um i mean to, to me it's like kind of um like Free enterprise and, and socialism only work on a small-scale community basis, like, you know, when it's, when they both start to become owned by the state, um, then neither are these two things, you know, it's like, when socialism becomes top-down, it becomes like a bunch of people in drawing rooms deciding, this is what's best for the working class and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's not rooted in the community and it that people live in. Then it's, it's, you know, to me, it's not socialism, it's just a, a state imposition. Similarly, capitalism, it's like with with um, mergers and acquisitions and the tendency towards kind of um, one enterprise dominate, dominating one industry, um, monopoly, oligopoly and all that, it doesn't exist in a free market form unless it's at very small scale locally, again, you know, and um, it doesn't matter whether it's led by the state in Ch- in, as in China or whether it's led by the corporations as in America, uh it's it's still kind of state capitalism and it's still you know the, the 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 countries still share these kind of same sort of objectives and these same kind of behaviors and it's all about a negation of democracy whether it's a two-party system or one-party system it's all about not giving people these kind of options uh and get to you know I, I think that um the lottery system again you know going back to and uh, going back to smaller scale government of kind of kind of um Kind of city states and uh, that are kind of you know that are working and trading with each other and all that. I think that's the kind of um that's again kind of anarchist model that I would aspire towards. Like you know, that's that's kind of um that's me kind of being a a kind of unrepentant old anarchist and just laying all that on the table, you know. But that's the, that's the way I would kind of um like to see these things develop,
1: yeah. Because, like you say, I mean, you know, I think the system at the moment is one thing that like i was i was going to touch on earlier is i remember sort of voting at 18 and like none of my friends really cared none of them really wanted like voted or anything and nowadays a lot more people i mean i think we you know the last election or the the one before had like the biggest turnout um in in records i worry though i mean that's great in in my opinion it's great that people are taking you know taking it into consideration and in voting but then i think to me, it's kind of become almost like a football team or or it's kind of become tribe, like, you know, people who I know who vote for one certain party, like you say, they won't listen to any of the views from the others. It is almost like they're voting for their football team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of, you know, it's it's a partisan thing, you know, it becomes very partisan. Um, And I think, you know, the the kind of, um, the binary kind of life of, Social media and all that has kind of made that into has, you know, has increased that kind of tendency. So, yeah, and I th- again, I think that in order to break that down, um you kind of um you know it's like just just thinking about all this nonsense, all this the campaign, this, the propaganda, and all this kind of stuff, and the constant sort of um the whole Rupert Murdoch thing about the sun made this made the kingmaker and all this sort of stuff. All that goes out the window as soon as you just have because if you have a lottery that's so arbitrary. You know, and it's like kind of, so you don't know who you're going to have there, you know, you kind of, um, you know, the chances are that you're going to, you, you might get a lot of people with kind of, um, the biggest issue you would have in doing that is to make sure that it's fair and not corrupted, you know, so that you kind of, um, you know, and, um, the, you know, the whole mechanism, for, that, that'd be a massive job in itself to do that, like, but um, assuming you could do that, uh, I think it's like, um it's a way forward because all those, um, you know, all those vested interests, all those powers, uh, you know, people will people will stop doing that. They'll stop trying to, because it's not going to it's not going to have any impact at all. So hopefully, the society would instead of investing investing into all this nonsense and all this conflict and this kind of stupidity, it would start investing in proper education, and education would start to pay off.
1: Yeah, that's it. Because I guess you'd have to, like you said earlier, you'd have to have everyone sort of educated to a to a high degree, really, in, for that to work. Yeah, I mean, you know,
2: it's like it's it's not it's not going to be as difficult to do that um, mm. as people think. Because you think of the fucking idiots that are there now. You know, it's like the you know the government's run by a combination of. Um, of kind of really upper-class fools and estate agents types you know I and mean, there's not a great deal of uh, education and consciousness amongst these people i mean you could literally now, um if you look at people like kind of you know they all seem like kind of hancock and rob and johnson and all that they all seem completely out of their depth and trying to to operate in this kind of crisis you could pick a bunch of people who you know who were just like kind of doing their jobs, going about their business, whether they were frontline health workers or people working in a supermarket, or and you put them in, in a committee and say, How this is all this is evidence, what's the best way of working this out? And they've no in, they've no in, they've, they've no vested interests in anything, you know. Yeah. It's like one might be a doctor, one might be an accountant, one might be a, a, a policeman, school teacher, and all that, but they've all got to sit there in that chamber. Um, you know, as a a cabinet and then sit sit there as a bigger kind of uh, debating forum and work out what's going to happen and all they would do, like anybody who's sensible would do, they look at best practice around the world. They look at what, what everybody's doing around the world and they take all the best practice from that. They wouldn't be in total to a bunch of people who sell masks or who are trying to sell this fucking proxy drug which doesn't work and all that, you know. Um, it's going to kill more people. That you know, And all this crap would be taken out of the system. You know, so that's that's the... Uh, again, that's, to me, that's the way the democracy moves forward. Otherwise, we're just stuck in this rut. Do you think people are scared to vote,
0: though? Like, I'm not scared of it, but... Do you, think, do you think a lot of the people nowadays have been put off by voting because of because of all the things that we was prom that, that things that said people that they said that would happen with Brexit? You know, there was a lot that's um, again. I'm not clued up, but wasn't there a promise to put loads of money into the NHS when when Brexit got done, and then that never happened or something? There was a lot. Yeah, the
2: bottom line. But you know, again, it's like money, um, it's you know. So people it's, nowadays,
0: it's, might think well. If if I've been promised this and I voted that and I've gone and done that and then they've completely gone against everything that I've said, so yeah. people nowadays might just think, well, what's the fucking point in voting? Because that's the
2: thing, you know. See, so it's like it's like kind of um, I mean, anybody that I know who's voted for something on kind of you know sort of high principles, you know, if they've voted for their money and they've got money and they've voted conservative, you know, sometimes they'll be satisfied. But most people have kind of been uh, disenchanted by whatever they've voted for, because um, even if it's got in, even if it's been a platform, it's kind of been eroded, or it's been compromised, or it's been undermined, or they've been lied to. Um, and again, that whole nature of campaigning, where you promise people things and you can't actually deliver them, um, because of circumstances, you know, or because you're just you're just in tow to to bigger vested interests. All that would be taken away. With the lottery, because you've taken out the the whole idea of campaign. Yeah. You know, the idea of, of having to campaign um, would be removed from the whole equation.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that because I guess because they wouldn't know who if they were going to even have a chance of winning, so they wouldn't be able to be to campaign.
2: Well, you don't even have the nature of it if it's just a draw. You yeah. know, you don't you don't know your name's going to come up, so you don't make promises, you don't campaign because it's like you can campaign to all that you know and your name might never be picked you know so um and most people's name would never be picked in a lifetime to do anything but you can extend that not just to parliament but you can extend that to local government so that you have a a city-state whereby people are picking the local representatives they're picking their they're picking the local council they're picking the local mayor um a kind of you know a local level for a lottery and uh, they did do that in government units kind of back in Italy and uh, the Italian Renaissance and all that, you know, so you have um, you, you have a precedent for that to, to to operate, but we're now living in a kind of, um, in a much more educated, much more democratic society where people are used to, albeit in a kind of roundabout compromise way of making some kind of participation or some sort of participation in it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it was the like guy got interested in I forget the guy's name. It was, uh, it was this Dutch kind of political scientist guy who's kind of um, looked at all the potential models of um, of uh, lottery uh, kind of allocation of um, of governmental posts instead of uh, instead of the you know the, the voting for it and uh, the arbitrary system you know where nobody knows who's going to be in charge is much better you know is kind of it's good. so. Um, and people are just much kind of more capable than they think. You know, we're, brought, we're, we're kind of hypnotized into all this elite nonsense. You know, but then you see the reality of it when you look at those fucking dumbass fucking bastards on TV trying to trying to kind of um, string two sentences together, trying to to work out what is you know that that's, that's going on. And you see that's the reality of it. You think it's just the best we can do. Yeah. No way. Yeah.
1: It's, it is it's strange, because I, I guess now, like you say, f- for me, it seems that, you know, I, I, I do vote and I do like to believe in the system. I think your idea, that's blown my mind. I think, you know, it could be something that could really revolutionise. But I think voting nowadays, like, I'm a little bit getting there, like, does it matter? Because the ones who win, like you say, are the ones with the most money. You look at... America and you've got, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean it's like you can't, who can, you know, you've got, you're going to have two really old senile white guys up against each other, you know, one's mentally old, the other one's got onset of dementia, you know, is that the best, what kind of a system produces that, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's fucked up, you know, it's like kind of, um, you've had a lot of old people kind of um, who, are barely out, you know. Most of them are who are in kind of um, confidence pads who voted for Johnson, like kind of what, kind of zero 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 point one percent of the population who kind of appointed them as, as a Conservative leader in the first place, as Prime Minister in the first place. There's got to be better ways of doing things. You know, there's got you you've got to get better people uh, kind of uh, engaged. And I think you know, I think the there are better people out there they're just not political they're just not they've been they've just not been kind of um they've not had that presumption of arrogance in the system that they've kind of been educated in that they could take these roles on when obviously they can you know so i think that's uh, the major kind of perceptual block and if people were kind of forced into the, to that kind of role if they were thinking Fuck me my name's coming in the lottery i've got to be an mp better start boning up on things and getting to talking to people and getting used to it, get to it there's all these resources now you know there's no there's no you know there's all these resources online on the internet and all we can educate ourselves to an incredibly high level what we don't have is the motivation to do so because we don't really have the reason to do it just now um, if we had if we had something that were that kind of idea of some kind of service to the nation is thrust upon us basically through a lottery and um, then you know, we'd, we'd have to step up to that. And I think most people would step up to it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, I guess they would. Like I say, when, when you first said the idea, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. But like you say, we, if, if we lived in that world where everyone was educated to a, to a certain degree and stuff, because, you know, there, there are, you know, unfortunately people, because of the education system, um, you know, who, who you'd maybe look at and go, I don't want you running the country and that's, that's, you know, being a bit,
2: maybe... But be- most of them actually do run the country, that's the problem, yeah. mate, you know, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's not any more, it's not any kind of more of a barrier to, you know, it's like kind of, I mean, if you, you know, if you have kind of, um you know, if you have like 40 people, for example, and you have, you pick one to be the prime minister and the, you know, and the person's a fucking nutter, then you move to the you know you move to you know the the rest of the people. You have a system whereby you have cabinet government and they restrain kind of the the activities of that person basically. You know through work through the work in their departments. But I don't think you can. You know, I think um, most people, if they're a little bit out of debt, they don't they don't jump into the fucking arrogant mode like kind of Trump and Johnson and like, I, I know best other. we don't need to shake hands with everybody and this fucking nonsense like, you know, those, they have enough kind of humility and enough intelligence to take a step back and think, well, I've got to fucking learn about this. You know, I've got to actually kind of to educate myself. And if I can't, I've got to ask for help from the people around me, from the people that are going to be supporting me and assisting me in this. Um, and I've got to kind of, um, to, to realize that in certain areas, they will know better than me and I've got to take that kind of advice from them. Um, and uh, and then you kind of you have a whole different relationship. You stop fucking putting fucking dumbass fucking so-called businessmen who are mostly fucking idiots who can't knock a fucking two bits of wood together but have inherited tons of shit from their, their parents and their grandparents and all that before them, and they have this massive sense of entitlement. You get them out of the picture and you get people who are hard-working people who can apply themselves Um, and you get also people who've kind of who've studied and learned hard and they they know about science and you bring them in uh, and you bring these experts in and you listen to what they've got to say and you take their advice and most people don't have egos and who've not been encouraged to be these kind of so-called like these, these kind of 19, 18th, fucking 17th century type leaders um will vibe on that they'll pick up on that and also you're going to have 50 percent women straight away you know it's like kind of the way it's going to come out and that's going to change the whole dimension you're going to have a whole new generation of women who are not going to pretend to be men they're going to they're going to um they're not going to emulate the very worst aspects of of male behavior of male group behavior they're going to kind of um they're going to have their own sort of uh way of dealing with things i mean it's like um it's you know if you look at uh, Jacinda uh, Armden and New Zealand has been by far the most effective. Yeah. Uh, Prime Minister, uh, uh, the, far, the most one of the most effective people at dealing with the COVID virus because there's no ego there. There's just a straight down the line, um, pragmatic kind of how is it? How, what's the best way we can do this? I think how that can care well. I think
0: makes a huge difference, doesn't it? People who actually care about what's going on, you know, because. Like like you said, I think there's
2: just a lot of like a, a lot of arrogance. Well, of course, well, also about enrichment. I mean, it's also it's like you've got a class of people who just followed the money for the last thirty years. You know, the one percent have got have taken everything basically, and you have a class of people that have gone into politics for the sole purpose of enriching themselves and for enriching and enriching other people, enriching the peers. Uh, who are already loaded anyway uh so you have if you have a lottery system you have people coming into with all different motivations and some may just think well i'll make you know i can make a few bob out of this but they'll be in a a bigger system whereby you know they're they're working with the the populace as a whole they're working with representatives of the population as a whole and their behavior will modify as a result of that they won't be able to to Push their predominant views and over other people because there's a the whole notion they actually have to do something. They actually have to run the country.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, this is what's fucked up the government now because um, the, the, for the last thirty years, people have been treating the country like it's like it's you know it's like it's, it's basically um, the assets of the country are basically theirs to rip off and theirs to take away, and that's how it's been treated for the last thirty years uh, by powerful elites and. Uh, now, in the, the, the crisis for the, the Conservative Party, the reason that um, like the Jacob Rees-Mogg and Pretty Patel and all these people have vanished is because they're basically trying to they're trying to make money out of this disaster. They're sitting on their laptops, and moving currency around all over the place, and they think it's a terrible imposition for them to have to actually govern. You know, this is why the so shit at it. it didn't. You know, the, we didn't sign up for things that make us actually govern. Um, that's why they were so shit at the Brexit negotiations. David Davis and all that—it was like kind of, you know, we, we want to farm everything out. We want to push it all out to the private sector, push it out to tender, and suddenly they have something. They've given themselves a job. You know, you've got to, you've got to negotiate Brexit. How can you not negotiate a single fucking trade deal in three years? You know what I mean? You've got three years to do it. You can't negotiate one fucking proxy trade deal. You know, it's like, um, even back in the back in the seventies. Kind of 80s politicians were just as self-serving as they as they are now, and they were just as about lining their own uh, pockets. But they had an overriding interest that they were public servants; they were first and foremost there to serve the people. There's none none of that now. I mean, um, I was reading the, the the Trump book, The Fire and the Fury, and everybody in that was all about enriching themselves and enriching their friends around them, and people could do stuff, stuff for them. That's why they were in politics. They might, the only references they had to the population as a whole was occasionally looking at polls. Um, And I I went to see the the LBJ film, and um, Woody Harrelson is LBJ, and it's like the politicians there and the officials there, they were just as self-serving. They just wanted to to, to ride their own, you know, kind of feather their own nests. But there was an overriding thing is that, we have to look after the people that have elected us, we have to look after the the, the country as a whole, the citizens as a whole, they're our responsibility, we have to do the best for them. And that massive gap that's been created between these two eras, um, you see it in things like COVID, you know, it's like, they're, they've not got their eye on the ball, they've not got their eye on the people that are representing, that they're, they're supposed to be representing. They've got their eye on their own interests, they've got their eye on the interests of their friends, financial, business interests, they're not looking at the interests of people, not looking at the interests of safety. So uh, so that would change. That would change in a lot of the system because the representatives would have to look out for the interests of the people as a whole. That would be what they would be mandated to do.
1: Yeah. So, So what do you think... Would need to be implemented then, other than other than education, to kind of get. Do you think? Do you think the COVID situation that we're in now could maybe push this on? Because, like you say, right now we're in a situation where I, I believe the world now has to has to change. Like you said, then uh, pre-war, you know, the and pre-industrialization. Sorry, the world changed. Is this another?
2: So well, of- I think we kind of we we can't hide behind kind of, sort of old kind of class kind of narratives and sort of uh, patriarchy narratives and all. We've got to grow up and think that everybody's got to step up and take responsibility for the, mm. for the, you know, for the, the way we, we are. We can't be like fucking little children hiding behind the coattails of, of Sumatonians and the class structure and all that and being patted on the head by them and patronized. And uh, we actually do have to step up and say, look, um, everybody's responsible for, the, for the, the, the governance of this country. You know it's like uh, and once you know uh, and that's the kind of prim- primary attitude we have to take and we have to kind of um and i think the education is important we have to educate people into into saying this is your responsibility this is what we have to do this is, what have, this is how we have to operate and even if you're not um even if you're not kind of um picked or appointed to or you know to to be a governing kind of uh, member of a governing body or in, in any way at all you're responsible for monitoring them and keeping them in check and calling them to account as a, you know as, a, as an engaged citizen um so I think thats that's the kind of revolution we have to have you know we have to have that kind of um and, and
0: you think
2: that,
1: possibly getting there a little sorry to, do you think that's possibly getting there a little bit more now where for instance
2: in the yeah you know, I hope so I mean I think that you know if, if it does if it doesn't get there, there's going to be more crisis like this more severe ones to follow i think this is just um this is all these things are kind of like the, the financial crash in 2008 this now i think you know that that um, these are all things that, that um we're getting warnings that the life we had in the system that we had is in major change and it yeah. can't be sustained any longer and that we have to change and adapt with it you know so um these are the ways i like to see us change and adapt you know it's like kind of um we we, have, we we can't be frightened of freedom, we have to embrace freedom, because the alternative is that we live in some kind of dictatorship, or some kind of autocracy. And I think, you know, as things stand now, I think the majority, a lot of people, probably the majority, would prefer to live like that, because it's what people are used to, people are used to being told what to do, you know. When there's a crisis on, most people won't react, they'll just say, like, fucking, somebody tell me what to do, and I'll, I'll do it, and all that. We like to be led, we like to be kind of commanded, um, but, we can't get away with that anymore. I think we have to evolve. We have to grow up. We have to kind of have a some kind of um, you know intellectual kind of uh, existential renaissance of humanity. Otherwise, we're you know we're fucked. Basically, we can't really go on. There's just going to be another COVID, more severe after this one, then another one, then another financial crash. Then it's just going to go on and on and on until we're kind of basically kind of um, cannibalising each other.
1: Well, I think this is. Um... Like you say, I think this is this could be a good learning curve for that because, you know, I remember sort of being 18, 19, maybe a little bit older, working at places like, you know, the local Asda and things like that, and kind of just thinking, I don't care about this job. This is just a shit job to get me through. Who gives a shit that I'm doing this, whatever. But now them people are the people who are propping up the country. And I think that's one thing that's kind of come from, like you say, there from that kind of class structure that's handed down from, you know, colonial days is that the working class don't matter in them kind of jobs, you know, working in shops yeah. or, you know, even cleaning,
2: cleaning. Well, again, it is, I mean, it's the working classes that have saved the day, you know, and they're kind of, um, I mean, it's like, it's, it's horrendous kind of, he, Johnston kind of being touted by the, the mainstream media as a church show where he's kind of, um, he's like a kind of cross between Chamberlain and Lord Hague, you know, he's sending people to the fucking debtors. The, the New Psalm is the kind of front line, I mean, it's it's just disgusting the health workers for someone, got the very basic stuff, you know, and all these horrible war analogies, but it is like sending somebody into the front line without guns or without fucking kind of, um, sort of uh, protective kind of, you know, like helmets and stuff like that. You can't kind of do that, you know, Uh, and you realize now that um, when it comes to the crunch, it's not these fucking vainglorious billionaires that are being profiled in Forbes magazine that are saving the country, that are saving the day. They're doing fuck all. Absolutely fuck all. And totally useless, completely fucking superfluous.
1: A lot of them are asking for money.
2: Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, all they're doing is begging. They're begging for some, you know, that the, the the modern state capitalism whereby you kind of um you you ca- you you kind of you, you, you you kind of push all the risk out there. You you, you socialize all the risk, and you privatize all the gain. You know, that's all they're that's all they're asking for. You know, and fucking nationalize all these bastards, basically. But um, and you know, it's like, uh, but yeah, I mean, it we we, we are at this kind of uh, precipice now, and we do have to decide what we're going to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hopefully, like you know, I've been pretty confident throughout this that. You know, as, as much as this is, and it is a terrible, terrible, you know, thing to happen. And, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have, you know, lost lives. The the, the positives from it, I guess, are it, it could hopefully change the way we view the world, especially like you said before, you know, the amount Well, of- it will
2: change. I mean, it will, you know, it's like it will change or it just keeps happening and happening. We either learn the lesson sooner or we learn it later. You know, there is no going back, basically. I think everybody knows that to some extent, you know. And um, it's basically the problem is older cunts like myself for just too you know, we've grown up in a kind of more affluent society where there's been progression, you know, there's been kind of, there's, there's been kind of sort of jobs and sort of there's been sort of money floating around and you can kind of, you can duck and dive a bit and do all right, you know, that things, that's all fucking going there, that's all crumbling away now, but, um, we we kind of people of my generation just seem to want to hold on and just hope, well, yeah let somebody else deal with it when it's all done i don't think we can afford to do that now because the, the time frame of all this is, is so much more advanced you know what i mean it's it's moving on so much more quickly yeah well, I
1: mean, as like you say you know you're, you're this is i think where a lot of the polarization when it comes to voting comes from because you know the people of sort of your generation and um, like you say you've seen that uh, growth in the country you've seen that progression where you know, I am I turned 30 this year and my whole entire adult life, we've been in a recession. So, yeah. you know, that, that's so polar opposite. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, it's like kind of, um, it's, it's that kind of thing that, uh, that's why I was saying about the lottery thing, I wouldn't have anybody over 60. I probably wouldn't have anybody over 50 taking part because, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's obscene that um, somebody that's 14 can't vote. And somebody that's 90 can just pull themselves down to the, the, the polling booth to vote, basically, you know.
0: Society has changed so much. Society has changed so much. And it's like, I guess the, the youth of today, you know, they, they have, particularly with kids nowadays, they're very clued up and they're very streetwise, some of them. Um, and I guess their views are kind of just completely ignored. When when they know what they know what it's like in the in the schooling systems and
2: things like that. Well, you, you know, it's it's amazing that um, when Cameron won the election, you know, we're still in that cycle. We're still in that that kind of electoral cycle, that that five years basically, you know. And since then, we've had kind of um, we've had like the the Scottish independence referendum. We've had kind of Brexit referendum. We've had kind of Theresa May. Um, we've had kind of Johnson and COVID and all that. You know, it, it feels like about thirty years worth of shit has been compressed into those five years, and it's only going to get more and more. This is going to ha- This is the, the, the velocity of this is going to increase. I think you know, um, there is going to be no period of stability. This is this is the new stability in a sense. The next five years will be even more torrid than this. I think. So, we really have to we really have to learn quickly. You know, and we're not, we've not been learning quickly, we've been jumping into this, um, you know, it's like, let's have a 30s style Victorian kind of laissez-faire society or let's have a kind of, um, a, a kind, you know, sorry, a, 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 a 19th century Victorian kind of society or let's have a, a a 1930s kind of sort of crypto-fascist type of society or let's move back to kind of Keynesian socialism of the 70s and all. None of these models can, can apply. We have to really sort of um, be very radical and very bold in our thinking.
1: Yeah, because the world, like you say, the world's, the world's changed. It's not, it's not like it was back then. I mean, you know, humanity, I guess, never really changes in terms of that. But like you say, nowadays, you know, technology, the,
0: the, the, that's sh- that's the main thing as well is technology has changed the world a lot.
2: Yeah I mean you can't uninvent this stuff you know I mean you can't uninvent it and it's like you know if you look at what's happening with technology we're moving to a world without profit without wages you know and what's well you know how if you're you know it's like how do how do um if you're kind of uh an upper group an upper class ruling class person the kind of boardroom type of you know elite kind of landed gentry you know how do you maintain that position of power when you can't pay people wages you know You can only do it through propaganda and through kind of um brainwashing and kind of mass kind of fucking hypnosis and all that you know and you can only imagine you can only sustain that to an extent when you know when there's no more food kind of that's that's when it gets when when the supply chains to the supermarkets break down that's when it gets problematic but so we have to get into a position whereby we're thinking about um how do we keep all this, you know, how, how do we kind of, um, I never thought I'd be saying this as a long term anarchist but how do we kind of preserve um, what's left and what's good about capitalism and socialism before we can kind of um, build new structures or we can or, or move on to a new type of world, you know, we have to do this, we have to do this very, very quickly, you know, and uh, to some extent, if we don't, it's going, to, it's going to be imposed on us in a bad way because we're, the, the sheer desperation to survive when not everything—goes really tits up. And we've got a bit of, you know, you can see in the supermarket queues, you can see a kind of stroppiness and edginess and all that. You know, imagine if, imagine if there's, there's no food there or there's very little food there, how crazy it's going to, how crazy it could become. You know, um, and if not through COVID, then through something else, this is going to eventually kind of happen. Um, and there's going to be something on top of that and it's uh and you don't want to be all negative and all that because i'm not i'm kind of positive about it and i think people are resourceful and resilient and they do stand together and they do have intelligence and we are kind of um a problem-solving species you know so i think um we will get there but i think that um to get there with the least collateral damage as possible has got to be the kind of um has got to be the the, the sort of um, objective and uh we have to get it together. We have to um, invest in new forms of democracy and decision making to help us get down that path. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It- Ir- Irving for prime minister is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 if there's one way, one possible way things could be even more fucked than they are now, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so I mean, because like, like you say, there you you you, you know you're a, you're a long time sort of anarchist and stuff you know obviously you' Scottish. did you vote in the the independence vote or was that... yeah' I did.
2: yeah but I mean I didn't sorry I didn't I couldn't because I was in America but I would have voted yes to independence I had it been um over here basically yeah
1: yeah I mean because that because that's something again that like I remember when that vote sort of was taking place, and I was like you know just not wanting Scotland to go in, in a kind of like oh no like you can't like you know but like looking back at it now I'm like why, you know, wow, that was a case where I guess Scotland was so shafted because the main reason that Scotland kind of stayed, I guess, was to be part of the European Union, wasn't it? That was a big... Yeah, case.
2: yeah, it was, a it was, you know, and then that, that was taken right off the table, you know, it was a very, it was a the big selling point for the, um for the No campaign that would be part of Europe and then bang, we're out of Europe, basically. You know, we're, we're kind of, we're taken out of Europe by nationalism, but it's not Scottish nationalism, yeah. You know? So so... Uh, so, yeah, but, so, but um, I kind of, uh, you know, again, I, you know, I grew up in these more affluent times and kind of where, where Britain meant something very cohesive. It was about the health service, the nationalised industries. It was about that kind of sense that we were kind of all in this together. Um, and then um, in the Thatcherite era, you had kind of the the breakup of all that, you know, you had this kind of... Um, you had kind of particularly the, the, you know, the overheating, the property prices in the southeast, and you had very different economies emerging in the rest of Britain, you know. Uh, so I think that um, to kind of, um, to break up that kind of imperialist mindset, and imperialist mentality, you know, I was, I was all for kind of Scottish independence. And I want, you know, and, and somebody who's going to a long time kind of resident in England, I wanted that for England as much as I did for Scotland because I thought that, um, and I still think, you know, the reason that the, you know the, the, the Tories fear it uh, particularly is not is not for what it kind of would do to Scotland, but for what it would do to England. I think if, if um, an independent Scottish state became separate and it didn't have any kind of ruling classes, House of Lords, monarchy, kind of all these people that are factored in and have their and just have their snouts in the trough, but don't actually contribute anything. Um, People in England would start saying, Maybe we should have some of that as well, you know. And I think that's a big that was a big fear and that was a need that was a need there to keep you know, to keep it together. And you know, I would hope that um at one point an independent Scotland kind of independent England, independent Ireland, independent you know, Wales and all that could come back into a kind of whole, kind of um British setup and you'd have a kind of cohesive kind of um Britishness again, but based on a kind of non imperialist sort of um kind of a whole new set of politics yeah. so um so yeah because you know i want my, instinctively i want people to be together not not apart but i want them to be together in kind of nation states that are serving the the, the, the citizen you know not the, not serving elites or serving the kind of imperial kind of elites and all that it doesn't make any sense to do that
1: yes yeah, so, i mean i'm i'm exactly the same you know like as a like like I say i remember when that that vote was, was sort of, was happening. And, and, and like you say, the whole, the propaganda kind of the, that the Tories were putting out and stuff. And, and I kind of bought it. I was like, no, like, you know, we're great Britain and, and stuff like that. And, and I'm not a Patriot, Patriotic kind of guy, you know, I, you know, I, I believe that the world is just the world and we shouldn't live in these little defined sort of little countries, et cetera. But yeah, at the same time, you know, we could well, you No, know,
2: the thing is that nobody's replaced the nation state as a form of government yet. You know, so you you have a good nation state that I mean, one that's based on citizens' rights rather than the, the, the entitlements of kind of uh, you know kind of old kind of imperial elites. You know, and that that to me is a sensible form of government. I don't care if it's kind of. Um, if it's Scotland or Britain or Europe or whatever, you know where they draw borders doesn't really interest me at all. I'm more interested in the kind of government you get. Uh, I think I do think that kind of small, localized government is better. Um, I think that kind of small countries are better. You, you know, you, um, you look at places like New Zealand, and you know, I think it's like, why do we have to be part of a big imperial country? I mean, what what, what good does it do? You know. Um, so uh, yeah, so that would be my kind of um, my, my kind of preference.
1: Amazing, amazing. Um, I think that's, you know, that's... Uh,
2: Brilliant but uh, well, you've, you've indulged me incredibly, guys, listening listen to me just fucking no, ruffling. Because nobody listens to me anyway. Like, <laughs> nobody in the fucking house listens to me, you know, nobody, kind of, um, nobody in the, the neighbourhood listens to me, you know. It's like, so, um, so, it's, it's interesting to
0: me because I've never really, I know Andy and if anyone who's listening now has got Andy Ellis on Facebook, they know that he's well into his politics anyway. Fucking hell. Um, but I've never really been into it because I never understood it. And I, and it, and I think it was the, the, the whole Brexit thing where, where we was promised a whole lot that wasn't delivered. So that just lost my confidence in, in all that. And I just felt like, yeah, just, I, just don't, I just didn't believe any of it. So I've just kind of like, I just sort of, it's never interested me. But listening to you two go there, this will be. This is definitely the quietest episode ever from me. Anyway, I've just thought...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you good once in a while, mate, like yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been. It's been good to listen to you two put the world to rights. So it's been interesting. <laughs> I mean, right. it, well, to me like
1: someone like you. You were just saying then. Obviously, like I, I am very kind of political on Facebook, but for me, again, it's like, I, I, I don't ever consider myself to be. You know, like I said then, I'm not very patriotic. Yeah, to me. It doesn't matter where you're from or anything like that. And, and the same with, with, your, with your sort of uh, political ideology as well. For me, it's like I, I'm attracted to the ideas rather than the party. Yeah. You know, there's someone there sort of saying things that... Because, you know, I'm, I'm very much, you know... Um, I'm into that kind of sort of socialism over kind of capitalism and stuff. But at the same time, I enjoy certain aspects of capitalism, I guess... I like, you know, I like going to Disney World with the family, and I enjoy, you know, Nike trainers and and, and these kind of big capitalist companies. But at the same time, you know, I, for me, I just want to live in a country or, or a world where, you know, healthcare um, a home is provided for everyone. You know, healthcare is free, a home home's provided for everyone, and we start seeing them as like necessities rather than something that you only get if you can aff- afford it. I guess.
2: Alan Dorsa and that's a good point to end on guys. Thanks for your time. (laughs) uh, Yeah, nice one. Thank you very much, mate. That's
1: amazing. Thank Thank you. you, Cheers,
2: guys. Big love.
0: feels nice to be able to talk i think that's the most i've ever listened in my entire life <laughs> it was yeah cuz um, like like you say sometimes we we say don't we and, and
1: and sometimes like we have a guest on and it's the three of us or the four of us sometimes just chatting and then sometimes yeah. like uh, johnny harris is in episode 3 yeah. um you know it's it's the guest leads it and it's nice Ooh. you know and, and
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And an Irvine sort
0: of, led it. Uh, go on, sorry, mate. But, and
1: I was just saying, and, and Irvine Irvine led it, and it was it was nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, and he's got such an interesting, like the whole lot lottery system thing that he was mentioning, like yeah, that it's it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like you just don't think, never think about anything like that, and. Um, yeah, I think I think it'd be a great system, really. But I mean, although, obviously, there'd be flaws to it and things like that. Do you know what I mean? It's I think realistically, it, it, it would. I don't think it would work. I mean, I mean it's it, a great idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like when he first said it in the podcast, I was kind of like, "What a, a lottery system?" Mm. Then you could have like just anyone do it. But then what he how he backed it up um, with sort of saying educate everyone, educate yeah. everyone to a level where anyone could potentially run the country um, and then do it. And you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, could that work? But
0: then you're going to be educating a lot of people for one person to be picked.
1: Yeah, but then everyone's everyone's educated, which is better, right? If everyone's educated to to that level. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then maybe you're spending a lot of time getting educated on something that's not going to make any difference to your life. And then the Facebook worries would be even fucking worse. The what? Because it would be right a lot of the time, wouldn't there? Who would? You know, you get all these, yeah, all these Facebook politicians. Oh right, like me, <laughs> like you, yeah, like you. No, but yeah, it, be, it sort of would be a bit like um, it would be it would be wasted time, wouldn't it? Really? Because if I mean, you're learning about somebody, it's like going to college to learn how to be a joiner when you're going to be a, a, a yeah, but an I do think.
1: I do think we do. I mean, again, um obviously we we touched on it a little bit last week, um, and and obviously it's it's still an ongoing thing, but I think we do need to have a bit of an upheaval on our education system in this country, especially just because of of some of the stuff that's happened over the last couple of weeks, you know, these the, the, the whole argument about statues and, and stuff like that and and people saying that they're a tool for education, and it's like, but are there because I wouldn't have known who that statue was or what that man, no. unless I went and read it. So then, you know, should we be teaching everything about sort of British history, good and bad, because there's a lot of good, mm. there's a lot more bad. A lot of bad. Um, yeah. Should we be teaching all that in schools? I think absolutely. Um, because then, like you say, then you're giving a well-rounded view, you know. You, you you can say, look, this guy was... um. A bad guy, he also did this, or you could say this guy was a good guy, he also did this, and, and then everyone's got a well rounded yeah. view rather than kind of just heralding The education him as a system's
0: a bit weird, anyway, exactly. Uh, yeah, the education system, I think, I don't think there's any worse time to learn about life skills and about history and things like that than when we're a kid because like, then you, you don't listen really, do you? You don't really take it in. No, I mean, maybe, yeah. Everything you Adults. know. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'd take more in as an adult than I would was, was as a kid. I certainly would anyway, because I was a little shit.
1: <laughs> well, same. I mean, I was, I was a little shit in school, and I, and I think most of my kind of learning started sort of after school, you know, picking up books and just, and just learning stuff for myself, watching documentaries and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, because, because you like saying,
0: to see the world flipped on its path, like you do all your work in life when you're a kid, when you've got more energy anyway, you don't really need sleep that much when you're a kid, and, then you, you, and then you do all your education, and then you do all education as uh, when you're older, because you take it in more. Like you listen. I know if I if I, you sound like a vi- a
1: Victorian like frigging.
0: I don't know. you like the Victorian? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying an Interesting experience. You'd have uh, kids. Experiment. You'd have kids down
1: the mind. You wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, mate. Yeah, I would. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't minded it when I was a kid. Be honest, Ballard. um, <laughs> no, I did it actually. Um, I shot a film called Stratum Deep, um, and we went mm-hmm. and shot down the coal mines in uh Barnsley. Oh, yeah, it was, it it was horrendous, be. so small and claustrophobic. And yeah, god, it gives you a real insight into what it was like working down there. So, no, I wouldn't want to do that as a kid, no. I wouldn't send children <laughs> No, Um, but, but yeah, um, no, it was another great, another great episode. I really enjoyed it. and fan of Irvine's work as well, so it was kind of nice to be money. I've never met him um yeah he he came down to set on creation stories quote but never on the i was in he um, he did that
1: purposely i think
0: I think so you could hear that um <laughs> but no it was uh, it was great to get um an insight into into his views really. mm-hmm. discuss his subject um yeah, I really enjoyed it it was good.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like you say, I you know, having an interest in it. And and I guess I guess, you know, people who've who've listened to it, whether you've got an interest in it or not, hope you've gained some from it. Um, you know, when Irvine first said voting being overrated, I was a bit like, no, like you need to tell people to vote, but then I kind of got a lot of his points, so fair play. That's that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, it's a kind of come on and have a moan podcast, but also it's like You've got something. Do you know what I mean? I love it like that when when he's got a point and his points actually like pretty pretty decent. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's good when uh, when it's something that like you said when you really when you don't understand it at first and then the whole his whole the point of him explaining is it's your and then by the end of it, like you said, you think it'd be a good system. So um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Politics <laughs> never been my. My um which probably people will notice during the podcast I'm just sat there like that <laughs> for an hour. So which yeah, I'd be the same I'd be the
1: same if you were talking about, you know, the, the Brazilian World Cup squad from two thousand and one or something random like that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. fair play, golf. <laughs> um yeah, to introduce next week's guest.
0: Yeah, next week, um I'm buzzing about it actually. Um I've only I only met him for the first time. Um this year. Uh, no, last year. Um end of the summer last year, is a guy is an actor called Oliver Cooper Smith. Mm-hmm. Um I think most famous, um most famously remembered for uh Atlantic, I think it was. Um oh, what, sorry? Tinstar. Tinstar, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. star on uh, yeah, yeah. one? I've seen bits of it, yeah. Um, yeah, weirdly got
0: straightened.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I remember seeing of him because he plays Tim Roth's son, doesn't he? Uh,
0: yeah. But if people haven't seen it, you've just ruined the whole series. Oh, have I? Basically, yeah. You've just completely ruined it. But that's fine. Well, if
2: they've not <laughs> seen it by now,
0: if they've not seen it by now, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's a great series, and he's such a good actor. As well, I, I was working with him on um, another Sky job called Intergalactic, um, which took up eight months of our year last year and the beginning mm-hmm. of this year. Um, instantly, got on with Ollie, and we become best mates. And we spent a lot of time together. We had a lot of the same sim, um, a lot of the same interests. We we both loved playing FIFA. We both loved going to the gym. So, I think um, he he quickly became one of my closest friends, and he still is now. So. It's nice um, when you meet
1: someone on a job like that, isn't it? When you can just click.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, never had it. Yeah, really. that's
0: it. Because when you do do a job, I just said do do. Um, when you do do a job, <laughs> <Well, laughs> you do, I do need it. to grow up. When you do 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 do, um, when you do a job, you may say to people, "Oh, we'll stay in touch," and you with, with all, you do mean it. You mm. do mean it at the time, but then sort of life gets in the way. Um, yeah, you go back to your bubble yeah, you back home. You, you do, yeah. Go on you yeah, now, so it was nice, it was nice to, to stay in touch with Ollie. Um, it's great to have him on, so um, yeah, next week, uh, Oliver Cooper Smith, nice, and uh, that's it for episode 11, as always, guys.
1: Uh, patreon.com forward slash over at everything, please. Uh, give a little if you can. Times are obviously hard, we know that, but if you can, please do. Uh, share it as well. I think we said that last week. Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook. Tell someone about it. If you're on the phone to your mate, if you're on a Zoom call doing a quiz on a weekend, just have a, just say, "Oh, have a listen to that." There's a great episode with someone. Find someone yeah, that you large, like. There is a lot. Like, what there. I have
0: noticed as well is people are uh, people are watching on. Um, YouTube, and they're saying uh, you need to get people like Stephen Graham on and yeah, people like that. We they are we have done that. That was on Servient Series One, which aren't on YouTube, but they're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, uh, iTunes is it called iTunes, uh, Apple
1: Podcasts? Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Apple Spotify, Podcasts. uh, Google. I don't know what the Google one is, it I don't have Google, um, but yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, um, Tomo, see you next week, mate, for episode 12
0: yeah um yeah'm looking forward to it, mate.
1: have a good week, guys, thanks for listening, bye bye